Hello. Hello. Welcome back to the office. Uh, yeah, I, thank you. You know, I, I hope you've been. I hope you've been doing pretty well out here. It's a. It's a new year. We're. We're getting into it. We're getting into twenty twenty two here. Yeah, and I've, I've, you know, I've, I've already fallen off of most of my like, you know, New Year's resolutions. Mm. I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna get really into dirt biking this year. It's, you know, that's not, that's not gonna happen. Oh, that's that's a shame. That's sad to hear. Um, I've, I've already abandoned my my plans to do uh, a sequel slash reboot kind of thing of like the Shrek series. I wanted to take it in a new direction. Okay. But after talking to my lawyers, I don't think it's really going to go anywhere. But, you know, I, there's, there's like something that I wanted to address mm. that I wanted to like, that, you know, I think is important to bring up. I've been putting it off. Yeah. Um, I think I, I think I might be a toxic fan. Oh, oh, I'm okay. This is serious. This is a yeah. serious situation here. Yeah, I know, because, you know, like, it's, you know, you, you see it in the news all the time, you know, there's these people, and they go online, and they're just, like, not thankful for sequels. Mm. And, you know, I always told myself, you know, I'm not going to be that kind of person, you know, oh, if a sequel comes out, you know, I'm going to go see it, yeah. and I'm going to defend it, and I'm going to say that they tried their best and that they're best, you know, and that it's I'm, I'm going to be thankful that they're giving me new content in my favorite cinematic universes, no matter what it is. As long as there is like a, a little treat yeah. that is that is that is placed on my nose. You know, a dog doesn't a dog doesn't get upset that the treat, you know, maybe is is bad. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. A dog doesn't maybe, bite its owner. Yeah, or maybe that it, it isn't good. Um, or that maybe, you know, the treat doesn't, you know, is maybe a treat that's intended for a cat or some <laughs> other type of animal. <laughs> uh -huh. So, yeah, I, and I've been doing a good job of it. You know, I, 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 I liked the, the Halloween one, uh, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> mm hmm. I uh, don't have a lot of connection to the Star Wars series, so I didn't really care about whatever people get upset about with that movie. Right. I, uh, I I went and saw the Grudge remake from a couple years ago. I accepted it. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I gotta tell you, Grim Five, it's not good. Am I toxic? Am I toxic for thinking that it's not a good movie? Well. Mm. Words like toxic, words like, uh, uh, you know, like uh, abusive. These, these are these are very very big words. Maybe we can maybe we can expand what you mean when you call yourself a toxic fan. Maybe we can just kind of figure out, get to the core of what that feeling is. Um, now, when you say toxicity uh, or or toxic, what 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 do you mean by that? Do you just do you mean that you? have a adverse reaction to it are you thinking about maybe uh stalking and killing the creators of the film or anything like that or or, or oh, is it just something I mean, that you don't like as much oh you know no no i mean like we all listen we all think about stalking and killing celebrities oh but of that's <laughs> but that's you know i liked ready or not i don't i don't hold ill ill will against these guys i i think that it's like cool that they got to do a franchise entry into something that matters a lot to me, but you know I'm fine 
just accepting that like it's never it's not going to be a Wes Craven film. Wes Craven's been dead for seven years. Mm hmm. This is true. Rest in peace, Wes. I just feel like if you're going to if I'm trying to meet you at where you're at, you shouldn't spend say 30 percent of your runtime telling me that I'm a piece of shit if I don't think the movie is good <laughs> or that maybe if I have to, or, you know, maybe that if I feel like, Oh, you're missing a lot of the things that I think make the scream series work. And instead of trying to tell your own story of it, you're just kind of throwing a bunch of things and going like, uh, and then scolding me for not liking them. You know, I kind of feel upset, but not like, mad in a way where i want to like scream at them on twitter but in a way that i want to be able to say that movie fucking sucked and i'm actually kind of offended that you think that the solution to making your movie not suck is to tell me that actually i'm wrong for thinking it sucked Mm, I mean, that's always a winning strategy, right? Is to just kind of have these uh, pastiches of your audience that are, you know, kind of demeaning and not super, not super uh, focused on the human element. I mean, well, let's... I mean, it worked It worked so well for Roland Emmerich, you know? You have, you know, have his classic inclusion of uh, Ebert and Roper in Godzilla getting murdered. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, you have Michael Crichton making... Uh, Oh, sorry, you're being cynical. You have Michael uh, Crichton making Ebert uh, a pedophile <laughs> in his books, which you know, really a lot of Ebert, uh, a lot of <laughs> Ebert hate that people put into their stuff. Which, like, he Roger Ebert, not quite the man, what, <laughs> not quite the uh, negative influence in Hollywood of someone. Uh, say, let's you know, let's just say uh, Harvey Weinstein, for example. Yeah, and I, I get it. I get it. You know, the fans are so entitled towards, like, wanting something to be good. But it's like, what if they just made the movie good? Or what if they just made a good movie? They right. didn't have to make a good Scream movie. They could have just made a good movie. But instead, <laughs> they made a bad Scream movie that's also a bad movie. <laughs> Well, okay, let's, uh, these, these discussions can get a little bit contentious, and what I want us to kind of start with here um, is a little bit of an open-faced compliment sandwich situation, as we like to do here, uh, mm -hmm. whereby, okay, like, what, did, was there anything you liked about Scream? I, I can't, I can't call it Scream 5 because it's, it's called Scream, but it's Scream 5. It's, 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 uh, I believe the, the official title is Five Cream. Um... <laughs> Um, open okay. Opening is I think great. I think they really nail the tone of the series, and when they do the thing where the character uh meta meta textually references modern horror film and modern horror film trends, I clap like a seal because that's what they do in all the movies, yeah. and I like it. But I feel like they do it pretty well. I like the bit of like the character that we meet in the intro, uh, instead of being hyper aware of the tropes of the genre she's in is completely unaware because she likes she likes A24 films. Right, yeah. I think that's a cute bit. I think that's like a really that's a cute bit and is also like a correct a diagnosis of where horror is as a genre. You know, a lot of teens who are into horror probably aren't into slasher horror and you know, they're aware of like the family guyification jokes about the rules of family guy horror or of, of like of horror, but like 
most horror films aren't slashers. The slasher genre is kind of uh, a dead genre. The closest you get is Blumhouse stuff, which is so post scream that it's just always like hyper self aware, like jokey jokey horror. Yeah. Um so it makes sense to, you know, introduce the this new set of rules that it's like, okay, elevated horror. That's it. There's a there's specific rule sets you can do to that. Um and then they just, just kind of drop that thread entirely. And it just becomes about the Star Wars fandom. <laughs> They name dropped twice. Right. Well, As well as Reddit and 4chan. 4chan, famous horror film fan- fandom there, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 4chan, like, name dropping 4chan in, in a movie in 2021 feels a little bit in- interesting to me. I don't think 4chan 2022. has had... 2022, 2022 makes it even worse. <laughs> yeah, like, 4chan has not had the cultural cachet for a lot. I, I mean, unless it's secretly still you know, this, like, thriving underbelly of the internet. I feel like everybody's id just kind of transported over to Reddit. Which, yeah. by the way, I think they n- name-drop Reddit in this movie as well as Dreddit, which is very nice. Yeah, I know. The, the character, the, the killers meet, uh, ha- state that they met on Reddit, which is such a stupid <laughs> concept to have in your... Fr- I mean, I guess in two... They also met on on an online forum, but that at least kind of works, right? But I mean, like, yeah, okay. Not not to not to be too. I mean, like, okay. I'll I'll get into the nitty gritty here. Uh, mm-hmm. as far as like plot threads that come up, like the the elevated horror thing, I really wish. I also am with you that they they definitely should have done more with that. Um, that is kind of a common thing with the Scream series as far as just like dropping plot threads. Uh, Scream 2 kind of did that with the entire concept of black people, uh, which I thought was very interesting, I guess. But uh... I, I, I will jump in here to defend, <laughs> to defend good old Wes. Right. That that was the actors. <laughs> that was because he asked the actor because Wes Craven is a white dude. Hey, what would like like I this is a critique I hear a lot, you know, from like black fans of horror. You mm-hmm. know, what inappropriate response here? And the guy's response was, Oh, I'd leave. <laughs> <laughs> I just fucking leave. And so that's what he does in the film. He's just like, No, I'm out of here. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Really <laughs> But I, I do agree that it does add a weird thing where it's like because especially since the opening victims are black, uh, I think that's why that sort of thing is introduced. But it does leave a weird thing that they're they're dropped, but it it is because Russ Craven asked the actor, "What would you? What would your character do in this situation?" And the and the actor said, "Leave." Yeah, <laughs> leave immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Just get the fuck out of there. Um, yeah, but, but point being, like, uh, like I, I I don't buy that as a non commonality with with um, the sort of other scream films. However, what I definitely will say is that the other scream films, like particularly particularly two and three and less so in four because four has four just has less to like well we'll we'll talk about it basically uh, like the films have a lot of memorable stuff to kind of make up for their flaws because like the scream series is like it's a little flawed but it's also there's you know there's countless set pieces and countless murders and kills and things like that that you can just like name like 
Scream 2 has, you know, all the stuff on the stage and it has like that car scene that's like super scary. Uh, Scream 4 has the closet scene that's like legitimately freaky as hell. Uh, Scream 3 has, you know, Gail Weather's haircut, which is scary. Um, whereas Scream 5, like, not only does it kind of drop the elevated horror thread, it kind of drops the thread of the series as a whole in terms of just having memorable kills, period. And, and you know, memorable set pieces, period. It's like one of the characters from Scream 4, she gets killed in this movie where? Just like in her driveway in a suburb? That's okay. And oh, then, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and then it... her son gets like stabbed in the neck and it's really brutal and horrible and it's like a snuff film. But it's not like interesting or like fun or anything like that and maybe that's part of the commentary that like things just aren't like fun in horror in the same way anymore but i i don't know it i i i would feel like that okay i would agree that like maybe that's part of the commentary but the way they're filmed is very clearly that they think they're doing scream style like kills and scenes yeah and to, to compare it to, you know, their other film ready or not, uh, they know how to, like, they can do, like, iconic stuff. Like, ready or not is a very mid, like, horror film. Uh, it doesn't have memorable kills, really, from what I remember of it. Uh, it's got kind of a really goofy ending. But it has some, like, really memorable shots. It has uh, one of my favorite, like, modern, like, final girl characters with a really iconic outfit. She, she's wearing a wedding dress because it's, like, you know, her engagement party with her, where she's meeting her husband's extended family. Um, as the events of the film go on, she, like, rips the lower half of it off, puts on these, like, dirty old Converse, which is sort of a commentary on how she's, um, like, a, a lower-class woman kind of like up until that point in the film play acting at being higher class because she wants to fit in with her rich boyfriend's family. Um, she has the bandolier and shotgun. It's very, they're, they're very good at like having these things in the film that like stick out, even if the rest of the film is, is mid. Yeah. I, outside of that opening, I, I really can't like there's there's really nothing that sticks out in this film to me. <laughs> yeah. The, the 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 thing that sticks out the most is the scene they show from the new movie or the fake stab movie where he has a flamethrower. <laughs> oh, sorry, no, one thing does stick out to me. Um the weird dubbed in line where they smash what is clearly a bottle of vodka over one of the killer's heads, and she says, Is that hand sanitizer? <laughs> weird just that weird. stuck out but that stuck out to me because it was very weird because it was clearly like dubbed in and it felt like there was some weird like thing like continuity error or something that they noticed maybe it's because like they like they were like oh if we just have it be vodka or it just looks like it's water so we'll make it goopy for to set up the fire kill that happens to her but then like they realize that that doesn't look like vodka, so they're like, "Oh fuck, what do we do?" Well, everyone has hand sanitizer now because of the pandemic, so we'll just have her say that it's hand sanitizer. But like, why? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's clearly a bottle of vodka, and also, who would have a giant like Costco 
like Costco glass bottle of hand sanitizer. And if you had it smashed over you, why would you go, is that hand sanitizer <laughs> in the middle of a fight? Yeah, just a lot of like, I don't know. It's it's very sparkly in a way that it shouldn't be. Uh, what I another thing I will say is that like, we might we might we might name drop Scream for uh, a couple of times throughout here because it's like, would you say it's the best sequel? Yes, yeah. Uh, I my my ranking is Scream, Scream Four, um. And then Scream 2 and Scream 3 are both kind of, like, even because they, they sort of flip-flop in place for me because they're both, they're both much, much weaker, uh, but they're still, like, good. I honestly, <laughs> I really enjoy both Scream 2 and Scream 3. Like, I, yeah, I see no, the I, problems, but, man, they're really fun. It, it's, they're, they're both movies where whenever I think about them, if I haven't watched them in a while, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, you know, they have a lot of problems. They're not as good. But then whenever I sit down and rewatch the series, I'm always just like, oh, fuck, two and three have like are like actually like pretty good. Like their their biggest problem is just that they're sandwiched between two really good movies. So they kind of like their flaws are more evident. But yeah. if they were like if they were standalone from that, they would be like still like probably above average horror films such a major like aspect of them is like really the characters um like and and scream 4 is to just such a good example like rory culkin is so so memorable as um uh, as charlie uh and i i fucking i love kirby a lot like all of the characters <sighs> like they're all just like freaks and like every everybody everybody's kind of like you know, sort of. I don't want to say outcast. Outcast is a really loaded word because, like, I don't, I don't know if out, I don't know if anybody, I, I don't know if anybody in real life is an outcast in any way. That's like, you know, I think everybody is made to feel like an outcast, and that's kind of what I like about movies like Scream Four, where all of the teens are these like little obsessive movie night freaks who just think about movies and sort of really really sort of like poisoned by media and stuff like that i, I think that i think the reason why they're more outcast feely in four too is because it reflects a good change in both like teens and media and also teenagers in real life where it's like yeah in the 90s slashers were still the like thing that drew teenagers out by the fucking truckload to go see movies but in 2011 if you're into like scream style slashers you're probably like a weirder kid yeah yeah, absolutely. Which, which they even set up with the whole opening thing of like, you know, teens relationships to horror was more like saw fans and like people who are like, oh, I don't like horror. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like. That and, and you know, it it kind of and and Scream 4 kind of in those ways, it feels like it, it feels like not like it's fully like totally reacting to like saw, but there's like some touches there that it's like kind of aware of those things in a more substantive way uh but like yeah more to the point like scream 5 has these kind of blank slatey characters uh one of them's like related to billy loomis in a way in a sort of i mean like she's like billy loomis's daughter which is not tangential that's pretty that's pretty important and central but she herself was pretty pretty one note throughout and then it was like the boyfriend who kind of ends up being the killer who's like this kind of like McElroy boyfriend it feels like yeah no he's it all all of the friend circle are so 
like nothing. They're just like very like the main the the main final girl isn't iconic in any really way. She's very, and it's not even like they they try to fold in that thing of like complaining about like oh like people complain about Mary Sue's, but it's like the thing about Mary Sue characters is that they're underwritten, but they're like uh, hyper competent in a way that sticks out in that universe. Like that's the critique that people leveled against Ray was like, Oh, Ray is too, she shouldn't be as good at the force or whatever as she is. But the thing about the main character in this is that she isn't hyper competent either. (laughs) (laughs) She she actually is like not very autonomous in the film. She just kind of floats from scene to scene. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And she's kind of like reliant on this Billy Loomis sort of ghost or whatever. And it's, it's like kind of, it's this thing that's like directing her around and she's like not really her own character uh i don't know i i just didn't like extremely funny though to have skeet ulrich come back to play billy loomis because he does not look like he does he did in the 90s literally at all (laughs) he, he doesn't sound like he did in the 90s either like his his he does not have a teenager's voice you know what i mean who yeah how do I'm I'm I mean like I'm I guess I'm vaguely curious about how they did the digital composite stuff or whatever, uh, but I don't know. It's just it's just a weird like no other scream movies have really had like hallucinations or ghosts or anything like that, right? The the closest is there's it's it, there's stuff that's ambiguous in two about whether or not um. Sydney is is seeing Ghostface where he's not, but it's also like in settings like there's like like when she's performing in the stage play where everybody's wearing masks, where it's like, yeah, that that would be a reasonable circumstance if you have PTSD to like think that you see Ghostface but you don't. But it's also like purposely left ambiguous whether or not she actually did see him. Yeah, that feels it's, that's the closest to it. That it, there's there's not like full on. I'm your I'm I'm your dark passenger, Billy Loomis. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, absolutely. Like, and that's the thing, it's like that all of that stuff uh and that brings me to kind of a kind of another point as well. Like, that is the thing you described, that screen two scene, that's conceivably like Sydney having like a PTSD moment, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh and there's also all sorts of stuff in like like that great scene in Scream Four where they open up Sydney's trunk and it's covered in blood and she just stands there with this like distraught, dissociating fate. Like she is such a good Nev Campbell is such a wonderful like actress at dissociating uh, and just having these like PTSD attacks because she's just like you 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 want you just like want to do something for her like not hug her because she's clearly like she's clearly in a place but like you know it but like you don't really get any of that acting or any of that thematic content in scream 5 she just kind of like is very to the point and very like we gotta kill ghostface he fucking killed our guy ghost Ghostface is back, <laughs> and and this time we gotta get the whole gang together to stop him. <laughs> it's it it's so weird because it's like it feels like all of the original cast who comes back is not having fun, despite all of the press stuff talking about it, and they're like, oh, it was so nice to do this thing, you know, in memoriam to like Wes. None of them seem like they're enjoying it. They're all phoning it in, like 
they it literally feels like if they had cast different actors to play them it might have been better honestly yeah like i i don't know i don't think it's that they i don't think it's that nev campbell uh david arquette and like courtney cox all like lost the ability to act like it's definitely not that it's just clear that they just like are not getting the same direction that they got before and are like not very invested in the source material or like in the in the script like at all the yeah. the closest to like a good interaction i can think of is the scene uh right before the party and whatnot when um gail and sydney are first are, are discussing the, like are literally like trying to assess whether or not the new final girl has like has what it takes <laughs> right yeah like that's that's kind of where you see a bit of their old dynamic starting to shine but it's very short-lived it's very it's very much so for like two scenes and then it's immediately back to just like oh they they do not seem like they want to be here <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah that, and that was that's so much of the stuff that i like about the original series too is just like you know, not not even necessarily like just these characters, but like the way that these characters kind of like interact and, you know, and evolve and like and the way they interact with like other characters. Like I loved um, I I loved I don't, I don't remember her name, but in Scream 3, the, the woman who uh, well, really every every woman that like Courtney Cox's character has to deal with. Uh, that's <laughs> that's always really, really funny. I, I I mentioned this in my letterbox review that that's like one of the biggest that to me was like immediately the biggest sign that like this movie had something wrong with it <laughs> was that I immediately from like the first scenes of them be involved in any way was like oh I don't give a shit about their relationship and that like their their whole dynamic from the first movie and their kind of hot and cold like give and take relationship yeah. is like one of the driving like pieces of the entire series especially because it gives with with factor two the fact that the series shows that it is willing to kill main characters it it adds tensions to it it adds tensions to it because it makes you feel like oh fuck like it one of them could get killed because it would make really good motivation for the other one or yeah. it gives really good motivation because within their wor world they are aware that like they're not that, that that after the second one they're they're completely fair game to be killed and so it gives real stakes to it and then ironically in this one them killing dewey off immediately makes it clear that gail and sydney are going to make it to the end yeah it like yeah it immediately makes it clear that it's like here's us showing you that the stakes are real and it's like okay but you're showing me that the stakes are real because they're not gonna be after this <laughs> this is the one situation where the stakes are real because we're five films in and the time the time to do this where it would have meant something has long since passed and and they also like super clearly obviously foreshadow it because they like write out they basically write him out from the beginning of the film mm. like at the start it's like oh he's a loser and he's not in the police force anymore and he and gail's relationship has fallen apart and he doesn't have any connections to any of the other major characters so like if you were gonna kill off one of the main characters <laughs> you know, if you had to pick one of them to kill off you know dewey's the one who's not really you know he's not really bringing anything new to the franchise at this point <laughs> yeah he just you know just cut him Gotta get rid of, gotta get rid of him.
also to talk about the killers for a second i there was a moment like during one of the party scenes where i was like okay none of these characters are well written and this is like that extremely annoying tokenizing type of representation uh of like queer people in films that they do now where like she's literally wearing a a, a rainbow flag pin oh god literally what is that right? oh yeah in in the party scene the uh the gay girl um randy meeks's niece i think is what her relationship to him is she's she's literally wearing a rainbow flag pin okay to, to tell the audience that she's gay and i was like let her be one of the killers <laughs> <laughs> give us a toxic lesbian ghost face that's all i want yeah and they, they didn't even have the balls to do that that's fucking fucked up that yeah it's it mm, i if they did that i'd have been like that is that is a good twist because not only is it like you're making randy meeks one of the killers again basically but it's also like you were giving us gay ghost face which shows an understanding of what the ghost of what the scream fan base loves which is uh evil gay people <laughs> <laughs> it's not representation if you put gay people in your film and they can't be evil like it's yeah it's bullshit yeah, I mean, I, I, I liked her character. I liked her, um, I liked her, I liked her lesbian vibes with the one killer in the basement. Uh, I liked how, I liked how they were threatening to have, um, they were threatening the audience to have two girls kiss. Uh, thank yeah. God they, thank God they didn't show it. Who knows what could have happened? They, they imply, uh, no, I think, do, do they show her making out with the girl on the couch or is it like they show them being interrupted making out so you don't actually get to see it? Uh, I think it's the latter. Because she, like, is like, I'm going to hook up with this other girl on the couch. And the girl's like, what? Oh, my God. Can you say that in a movie? You're crazy. Oh, my God, Mindy. Hand me that, uh, hand me the fireball. I did like that they brought back Hicks. Um... I yeah. didn't like that because of how bad the writing was. The second they make the joke, they're like, "No one's gonna, no one's gonna care about uh, this character who's who's in four. Uh, you know, no one's gonna care about like you." I was like, "Okay, so they're both gonna get killed." <laughs> like you're you're not even like you're 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 lampshading that way too much. I know what's gonna happen here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even she was like phoning it in. Even she didn't feel like she wanted to be there, and she's like giving it her all in four. She's so fucking good in four. She's such a, like, again, like a character that like you're a, a care like a character that has just like a wonderful dynamic with Gale and who you hate, but then you eventually like have to stop hating because she's actually good. Yeah, um, that that was like another thing rewatching Scream Four. I noticed, uh, well, actually rewatching the series in general before this, um, and then when I went and saw Five, is that. The film also really misses one of the key things that I think defines the Scream series for horror fans and especially gay weirdo horror fans is how good it is. It is at a um, metatextual red herring mm. in that the red herrings are never ex are, are not never, but they're rarely explicitly underlined as red herrings. Right. Um, there's like the shot in the first film when Dewey and one of the other cops are, are talking and there's a shot of the cop stepping out his cigarette and he's got uh, the same boots on that the killer has. 
there's uh in in two there's these two girls who are always around sydney and always around when the killings happen they're like two like two of her co-actresses and stuff and have like a weird obvious like like dynamic there and then in four hicks is very clearly given motivation and like given a presence at some of the scenes that would make her a plausible killer yes but there's never there's no moment where anyone is like I think she might be the killer and then it's pulled out to you. It's it's entirely just there as a reward to audiences who are like aware enough of horror to be like, "Oh, this is a thing that in a normal horror film would be like uh a planting a seed for you to pick up on it, which ends up hiding a lot of the actual seeds that they plant." Mm. Uh, there's nothing like that in in 5. <laughs> they just kind of go like, "It could be anybody." Uh <laughs> could it be you? It could be, it could, it could be, uh, this guy can't be the killer. He doesn't like the Stab series. Just kidding. We lied when we said that. He loves the Stab movies. Oh, well, yeah, the movies, the movies like, oh, you always, you can never trust the significant other. You can never trust her partner. Uh, but then like the movie basically, it's not a very strong metatextual, like red herring when the movie is just like, it's this guy. It could be this guy. And then the movie's like, no, nah, it couldn't be. He's blah, 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 blah. Like, I don't know. It's, it's like, not the same. I, I feel like the thing that's also funny about it, too, is because that line stuck out to me, which immediately... T- okay, funny story about when I went and saw this film. Uh, there was that scene and that line. And then when I went out to go uh, get a drink because a really boring scene was happening afterwards... Uh, some other screening of it had gotten out in the lobby and some dude very loudly said, and it was her boyfriend. <laughs> and I was like, shit. I, Cause I remember it. Cause I was like, there's no fucking way that's going to be what the twist is. Cause that would be so stupid if they have that line, because that line doesn't make sense because the killer's only the boyfriend in the first movie. And the yeah. second movie, the whole thing in it is that she doesn't trust her boyfriend because of it. And then he ends up not being the killer. But the boyfriend reveal is not, is not, is, is only happened once. Yeah. Why would Dewey be like, it's usually the boyfriend? Right, yeah. Like, it, it, does, it just doesn't make a lot of sense, generally. Uh, and it, I mean, it, it ends up doing the opposite of a red herring, which is, again, it, it lampshades it in a way where you're like, oh, so he's probably the killer. Right. I mean, and you could make an argument because it's like, oh, the film, it's about returning to, it's like a... It's a requel. We're returning to the original house uh, from the first movie, and it's Billy Loomis and blah, 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 blah. But, like, yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> I I don't know. Like, it, it, we, not only have we, like, seen that before, it's just, like, not doing, it's not, it's not, it's, like, so, so not doing anything new or interesting that it ceases to be metatextual about not doing anything new or interesting, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're right. This is the same house. What does that mean? Why do I care? What's the relation to, you know, current characters, I guess? Uh, it, it's also super disappointing because, like, I, I know I, I, I'm trying not to do the toxic fan thing if I keep comparing it to the original, but it's really hard to in the movie and is asking me to do so. <laughs> um, they already did that in, like, the third movie with the they movie did. set. Literally. And it's like it it's really good and it works really well as like an iconic scene in the third film because it being on the same set is like 
creates this weird fucked up disorienting thing that also works with the themes of trauma and whatnot in it. Yeah, that, like that, I drop the elevated horror thing when you're doing a sequel to a film series that has historically been clearly about trauma. Like, and to do absolutely nothing with the trauma aspect. It's fucking crazy to me. It makes absolutely no sense. Like, and that was, that's why that shit was so good in 3, because, like, she was just so disoriented by it. And, she, like, just every aspect of it. Like, the sort of, like, businessy nature of it. Uh, you know, the the obvious, like, freakiness of someone, like, modeling a set after, like, real traumatic shit that you went through. Like... I I don't know. It's 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 literally a retread in in Scream Five, but she's less interesting to watch here because she's just she's just so one track minded. She's just so like ready to kill Ghostface. And again, like she like Sydney gets like stabbed in this fucking movie again. It's like how many fucking times has Sydney been stabbed in her life at this point? I think they have some joke about it in the in in it. Uh, I I could plug our our good friend Kate Words. It's it's so weird to me. Also in anticipation of Scream Five, I I was rereading uh, Crow Killers by by a friend of the pod, Kate Kate Words, and she um has like an entry in it that ends up being canon to the series. That's basically just a a, a parody of the Scream series. It's, oh wow! It's 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 weird. It, to kind of get into it, there's like a, a sort of thing in it, like the ser- like in the series where there's a lot of like weird media mixing and stuff. It's very good, it's very well executed. But so there's a nightmare sequence that was a Halloween special, basically that is an extended scream parody uh, of the whole series. And it was weird reading that and being like, this this works better as a as a requel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can only fucking imagine. Kate's a goddamn genius. I because it it's it's it understands how to take themes through from the history of the series and then apply them to new characters and their dynamics. Yeah, and like new concepts and like where things are at currently in life. I mean, like I one thing I will give to Scream Five, it had one funny scene, which was uh the boyfriend like watching a like video essay like podcast thing about the stab series and just being like. Just basically parroting their opinions, just being like, "Oh yeah, series totally fell off after the fifth one." That's that. That was, and that was like, okay. I the the killer's motivation is really what sank this from me. From like, this sucks to like, I hate this. Mm. Um, because it's it's as is the bit we were selling up. It is their motivation is literally they're toxic fans. They're supposed to. They're very very clearly modeled off of the Star Wars fan base and the whole. Yeah. Uh, Rian Johnson thing and the prequel trilogy and all of that shit because none of that happened with any of the other like weird requel remake films like that didn't happen with Child's Play that didn't happen with the Halloween movies there is not a toxic horror fan base in that way in the same way that the Star Wars series is yeah absolutely and so the weirdest thing about it to me is that the in-universe stab 8 that they show doesn't look like that kind of movie that they're responding to that they say they are it looks like an absurd garbage horror film which i i i i keep saying this this is the this is a film which stars the only horror film fans in the universe who are shocked that the eighth film in a series fucking sucked (laughs) 
because oh, there's just no. not that there's not that horror fans don't have that same expectation it's like a joke in horror fandoms that yeah movies get really bad after like the first or second one right yeah the 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 a sequel that is good is the exception not the rule which is one of the reasons why the scream series is so beloved is because even if a lot of people didn't like four which they're incorrect to um, <laughs> which they are stupid you know it's it's still understood that like yeah scream series like kind of wraps it up and like ends in a very strong way like it's a series that understands how to how to bring a new approach each time while still building on like what came before it and that's really really rare in horror um but also horror fans aren't stupid they're gonna go into a requel a 2022 requel that was made seven years after the original director died and they know that it's not going to be as good (laughs) yeah yeah people are a little bit more reasonable than i guess you might give them credit for as a well i don't know maybe they're not maybe maybe just like skimming off the surface of just like insane youtube reactions just gets you all sorts of all sorts of nightmarish uh you know shit going on because i know that like star wars fans do suck they are like knuckle dragging like they're terrible they're it's ter- it's a terrible crowd of people to be making art for all of them pro requel pro sequels pro proco it doesn't matter doesn't matter what their position is yeah it's a horrible fandom yeah terrible. that'd be a great source material if you were making a star wars movie <laughs> or even a sci-fi movie <laughs> honestly yeah you're making a horror film <laughs> yeah exactly like you're you're name dropping hereditary but you're not really doing hereditary scares you know what i mean and i felt like that was like the thing that really like made it like just so annoying was because like with that opening and then with the idea of toxic fans you have a setup for a perfect spiritual successor in the sense that like the scream series was very good at looking at like how does media like frame people's expectations of reality how does media take its experiences like how does me like how does media process reality because media responds culture responds to reality reality responds to culture etc how do teens who grow up like saturated with media process all of that and like what kind of like fucked up sociopath can be born from taking like the worst possible like lessons from that Mm. and so if you wanted to do a movie about toxic horror fans the killer's motivation should have been that they are anti-elevated horror. Yeah. Yeah. Not this, like, weird, like, oh, like, the, those horror scenes are my, like, childhood, you know? Like, you're pissing on my childhood. These matter to me a lot. It should be just, like, oh, their motivation is that nobody has respect for the classics anymore. No one cares about, like, these films anymore. And when they remake slashers now, they just make them about, like, feelings and boring bullshit like that. It's not about the kills or the scares. And then you can have a cool metatextual thing where the reason why the new gen the reason why the new generation is struggling or like is is particularly vulnerable is because they don't know what the rules of slasher films are. Yeah. Yeah. Zoomers yeah. Zoom, zoomers aren't like aren't going to be like oh here are the rules of it. They're going to be working on the rules of like okay, we have to figure out like what is this about because if we figure out what it's about, that's what lets you defeat it like in the Babadook. 
like what what happens in like what happens to the rule about the boyfriend being the killer in like green hair pronouns world you know what yeah. i mean <laughs> like i'm actually curious about like that would make a much more interesting movie uh speaking of i'm so excited for us to watch the texas chainsaw massacre requel uh oh no which, oh no oh no the fucking trailer of just like if you do anything bro leatherface your pussy is canceled like the- <laughs> you're fucking canceled leatherface you won't have any stands anymore literally fucking horrific i can't wait to watch that the the f- i i cannot wait to eat that slop because like so it was so funny how mad people were getting at that trailer, and I was just like, "No, no, 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 no! I know this movie's gonna be bad. Of course, it's gonna be bad. Yeah, it's just a kind of bad that I have been waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> uh... I have been waiting for the person who is too Twitter poisoned to make a movie like this." <laughs> Yeah, the just if anybody's listening, go look up the uh, go look up the production on. Uh, uh, oh, the IMDb production for the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. For the new it Texas is, Chainsaw, it is quite a read. It, oh. <laughs> it, it, it is. Mwah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a sight to behold. We love when uh, a, an entire production is just fucking scrapped, and then Netflix, Netflix just like opens up one of their like weird backlot to backlot studios to make like a $20 production to just flip it. Yeah. To just like flip it into something to get some clicks. Literally. Like there's, there's that. There's also like a, there's like a letterboxd review I saw, which I, which proposed something that I think would have been extremely bold to do for this film. And I, that's kind of why I'm sad they didn't do that either, which is have the killer reveal be just no one just just like just some guy some guy that none of them have ever met or like that they meet very briefly who has like no connection to anybody and they're just like who are you why are you doing this <laughs> literally like oh i was a background extra in scream one uh yeah <laughs> that was like that great. and that- I would have also worked for the like Keller's like motivation they want to do is that it's people who aren't even involved in the story wanting to involve themselves in a story. But like they kind of do that, I guess, with the boyfriend, but the boyfriend is involved in the story within the, within yeah. the text of the film. It's just it just doesn't work. It's just a bad, bad, bad killer motivation, bo- extremely annoying scene. Um, the the ghost face girl killer should have had more screen time because she was almost interesting but like yeah she doesn't have any real personality because she's not given nearly enough screen time right yeah absolutely yeah just not enough of the charm just like you know nothing nothing really scary happens nothing really i mean like yeah i mean you know if we're if we're if we're spitballing here if we want to go the elevated horror route just like i don't know like start the movie with some dead parents or something uh, like the fact that it's uh, like again it's like we're we're spending more time in hospitals and we're spending more time in like suburban houses and neighborhoods and it's not like that's not the bread and butter of the scream series but it's like i don't know just do do something with it yeah or if you're not again like i said i i i think i would have had more respect for this film if it was just trying to do its own thing and wasn't good, mm-hmm. then 
trying to trick you into thinking it's like a Wes Craven film, but it's missing like any of the empathy or like genuine love of its genre that it's doing. Yeah. It feels almost like a slasher that's embarrassed to be telling a slasher story. Yeah. Oh, because it's so unfashionable in the market right now, you know. Yeah. Which I, I'm I'm so glad it seems like the wave is turning a little bit because like when I, I saw this film like opening night, of course, uh, because I am a mark um, <laughs> and I went home and I was like, yeah, this sucked. Whatever. And it's just like all of the like initial response was like, this is all this is like the closest to the this is the best one since the first one. And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> this yeah. is like the worst one. This is worse than like the worst parts of three and two. Literally, like, no, I'm kind of with you there. That's like, that's some serious, like, feeling like you're on another planet shit. Although, I mean, like, I don't know, Letterboxd, Letterboxd is very interesting. Um, I, it literally, it, it feels, I don't know, like, pe- things, things trend, like, really, really high when they first come out, especially if there's this sort of, like, integrated, like, Disney-style push on social medias and such. Uh, but, like... I don't know, like, like, basically, yeah, like, this, the, this remake is getting way, way too high ratings, uh, and people are just, like, way, way too, like, I, I really do not see it, I, I just don't see it at all, like, I, I don't see what's, I don't see what people are liking better about this over, like, four, for example, I don't, I, I don't know, I, I, I just, I can't. I think, yeah, I think that's why it's especially weird to me is because it's like people, you know, people dump on Scream 4 and I'm a huge Scream 4 defender. So it feels weird to see people praising this one when there hasn't been the same critical like reappraisal of 4 when 4, 4 is the one that is like, to me, as good as the first film. Like it mm. is, I cannot believe like every time I rewatch that film, it's like I get, I get fucking chills that one of the best twists of the scream series some of the coolest like killers some of the smartest writing i think people maybe write it off because the whole like i want to be a famous victim thing felt very boomery at the time but uh, he was right that (laughs) he called it yeah no i mean like 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 with scream one calling the columbine kids he called it that type of person does exist yeah (laughs) Oops, I, I'm of two minds about it because, like, yeah, I totally see how it's corny. It is corny, but it's also like I've lived through Twitter. I like, yeah, I, no, I've, I've been on the internet. I have met Jills. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have met people who like weirdly model themselves after other people's trauma to the extent that they like take on other people's trauma as if it's their own, which is like what it's about. Like, that's what that film is about. Is like you can escape from and recover from your trauma, but trauma has like these long reaching effects you can never possibly imagine. And Sydney's having to deal with this like fear of like, can I never actually heal from this? Am I, am I always going to be toxic? And there are people who are going to treat your, like your victimhood as a thing that's almost envious in modern times. And it's a fucked up thing. And it's not like, you know, it's not that some big common like oh we live in a victim culture thing or whatever, but it is a thing that exists. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And Wes Craven, just like how in the '90s Wes Craven called, oh, there's gonna be people who are gonna want to be famous for being like psycho killers. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, it, it's 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 literally freaky. Like, it's very freaky to watch like Billy Loomis and Stu uh, do their thing. Like, literally three years before Columbine, like crazy. The fact that they had to change so much of Scream Three, like because of Columbine as well. Yeah, and like even even folded that into the like meta narrative of the film. The, this idea of like, how do you tell a film about violence? in an era where like people are not really wanting to talk about violence in media. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. Tough. And, uh, the, the, the very smart, again, very prescient way that he did that was that he made it a film about sexual violence in the Hollywood production system. Yeah. Somehow, somehow executive produced by Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's some really bad directorial choices in this. There's some shots that just look fucking terrible. But there's moments that they have where they're kind of doing a pastiche of Wes Craven, but like a more like, you know, their own version of it that I think does work. And it makes me every time I would see like scenes like that, I'd be like, God, imagine if the script was good. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I think I've come to the conclusion that I'm actually not the problem (laughs) and that everyone else is. Well, that's ultimately what I'm here for. That's what that's what I'm here to convince you that like. You know that maybe maybe other people in your life are are putting obstacles in your way and making making lackluster sort of requels to beloved franchises and you know and trying to trying to discipline you to eat the slop by creating this spectacle out of people that you don't agree with or even like and being like, well, they hate this, so don't you love it now? Ooh, yeah. That's the only way to get people to care about movies anymore is, like, militarized, like, fandom war bullshit, which is really exciting. I think that's a good... good I'm I'm really glad they're bringing that to horror. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. It'll go really well, I think. It's, It's, you know, they'll get their numbers up. Hashtag, and don't forget, you can still stream Scream, the MTV series that no one talks about because it's really bad. <laughs> yeah, we didn't bring that up because I don't know. I, I I think I watched like half an episode and I was like, eh, I'm not watching this. <laughs> yeah, sorry, folks. Sorry, folks. I saw a Weinstein quote that was like TV. It was like during the production of that is like TVs where the teens are. And it's just like, yeah, totally, man. Yeah, no, t- teens love to sit down and watch television at a scheduled time (laughs) with commercial breaks it really works for them yeah teenagers love consuming media within a time slot uh (laughs) teenagers love advertisements i yeah i remember seeing that quote too and i was just like just like scream like you know screams franchise it's it's gonna live on in television and it's just like you don't know anything about you don't know what you're doing at all, do you? <laughs> how how did you become this this powerful executive? Yeah, that's a question. That's that's a really burning question, isn't it? Oh, we know. We know. Sacrifice ritualistic sacrifices. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for coming in today. I'm glad that you were able to. You know, I'm glad. I hope you're feeling better about uh, blaming the world for for yeah, for your I, problems of being toxic. I, I think I'm I think I'm ready to go out there and just any time a sequel is made to something, even if I don't like the original thing, I think I'm I'm prepared to just send death threats. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. we've made a lot of progress today. That's like really promising. 
um, for your future. Uh, you know, maybe I'll send a death threat or two after this after this meeting here. Let's, you know, let's get crazy. Yeah, let's 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 find you know let's get out there and let's find some home addresses. Ugh. Let's let's get those emails. 